Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kate Norris. And I'm Thomas Craft. Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting, or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence. Kelly McAuliffe has 22 years' experience in law enforcement and is passionate about connecting and engaging others. Many organizations are experiencing for the first time multiple generations of employees working side by side, and Kelly is here to talk to us about the communication side of this. So welcome, Kelly, to the Presentation Boss podcast. Hi, Kate. Hey, Thomas. Thanks for having me. G'day. Thanks for joining us. So, Kelly, let's start. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, thank you. So 22 years um, policing. So really for me, I uh, I left school, started at uni, realised it wasn't for me and uh, put in an application and found myself as a police officer and um, wasn't sure whether that was for me either. But for me, it was all about helping people and, and communicating with people on a daily basis. And that was certainly a job that gave me the opportunity to do that. And 22, nearly 23 years later, um, I got to a point where I thought, oh, okay, well, here I still am. Where to from here and what do I do? Um, So ironically, I've actually stepped outside of the policing role for um, what we call a career break, um, where (laughs) I can reach out and connect with other people in other organisations just to see how it's different. Uh, But what I'm finding so far, obviously, is communication is 101 with people regardless where you work, where you live and who you communicate with. We're just real people trying to connect. Yep. Oh, so true. So I imagine in those 20-something years you'd have quite a few stories and interesting things that have happened over that time. Very much so, yes. Some, yeah. some good, some bad, some ugly. We uh, yeah. often refer to it as front row seats to life, that's for sure. Yeah. I always think the two people that have the best stories are police and nurses. Oh, yeah. I think uh, <laughs> the nurses uh, top some of our stories, what they're presented with sometimes and uh, what comes into the emergency room. I've got a few nurse yeah. friends and, yes, I think they um, trump me on our stories. <laughs> I imagine in the imagine in the police force you do get to experience the full cross-section, not just even um, you know out in the wide world, but of people who are in the force as well. Most definitely. Um, it, it's really quite interesting because obviously in the work that we do in that policing environment, you um, you deal with things individually uh, very differently, uh, but we all have that underlying core of uh, warped sense of humour to deal with the difficult times. Um, but, you know, that open display of emotions as well um, and tapping into each other to make sure that we are all on the same page and all, all travelling well. Yeah, right. So you, you said you had a lot of opportunity to communicate and connect with people um, in those in that time. What were some of the roles that you had and some of the kind of experiences that you had in, in that space? Yeah, so originally I started off, as we all do, as a general duties officer, and then I went into um, plain clothes. I was a um, child abuse investigator uh, for a number of years, um, which is a whole different level of communication then when you're trying to talk to a young child. Mm. Um, in relation to some horrible events that have happened to them. That, that takes quite a different style of communication. Um, and then I went into the training space at our academy, uh, again, delivering training uh, in such a way that there's a multiple range of learners out there, so different communication styles again. And then most yeah. recently, my, uh, my last three years was on a, a project solely on communication where uh, myself and a small team were tasked by our deputy commissioner to connect the executive level of the organisation with the front line level. So there's 11 ranks in the policing organisation and you can well imagine that 
all of that structure at times can stifle communication. There can be miscommunication. Yeah. There can be no communication. So it was about finding a way to connect the unconnected to make sure all of our people, regardless of where they were stationed around the state and regardless of what rank they were, that they had an opportunity to be a part of conversations. Um, so my role was to um, create a platform, an ID management platform, which did just that. It gave our people permission to speak outside of the chain of command, anywhere, anytime. Um, so it was it was a really uh, eye-opening experience to be involved in. It was a major cultural change for our organisation um, to mm. have a very structured chain of command leadership style to a very open collaborative style where everybody had permission to speak and it's um it's been a huge hugely successful sounds like you were somewhat thrust into that position of communicating and enabling communication with others why do you believe the ability to communicate especially you know as people outside of that hierarchical structure is so important i think with our changing um environment like the 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 rate of change as we all know and experience is astronomical at the moment and every workforce or every community setting has a range of organ a uh, range of generations and regardless of how old you are, we all need to communicate, but we all communicate differently. So the important part and that role where it was so really valuable was that it allowed us to better understand um, the voice of a young uh, millennial and then also to couple that um, curious mind and curious voice with the experienced mind and voice of a maybe a baby boomer who'd been in the organisation for many, many years um, but rather than have those two voices communicating in conflict, it was about bringing them together to communicate and mm. work together in harmony. And, and that was the best part about it. It actually allowed them to listen to others and actually walk in their shoes for a little while. And the communication levels um, instantly improved as a result of that. The engagement levels improved and it gave everybody the equal amount of value regardless on their standing or position within the organisation. Because like you said, we're all just people trying to connect. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, well, particularly our organisation, people join that to help um, and to, to yeah. do but serve the people of Queensland. And you can only do that when you're communicating well. Because um, mm. without communication, we have misaligned agendas and then comes breakdown and, and conflict. Not ideal in an um, organisation that's looking to reduce conflict and, like you say, to serve and look after the community. Yeah, exactly right, exactly. And look, historically we were very good at um, externally facing communication uh, and it really just became a change of focus to put that focus internally on our people and realising that we could do things and create opportunities to better connect. Well, there's 15,500 people within the police service to better connect them um, all around the state. Yeah, wow. Um, So you said you've got, you know, like millennials all the way to baby boomers. and is it oh, it's Gen X in between, I think? Yeah, Gen X is in there. <laughs> so, yes. Or sometimes even tapping into five generations within our workforce. Yeah, right. So what are some of the differences that you see in their communication styles? What are the, the biggest kind of ends of the spectrum? Um, I think from the, the um, generation of people who have been in our organisation um, for a long time, so our baby boomers, look, some of them have got yep. 35, 40 years' experience in a hierarchical chain of command, very strict, structured organisation. So for them, that's their culture. That's all they've known. So to all of a sudden now be um, working side by side 
with these young um, generations coming through who have never been exposed to that um, rigid culture coming in and look at looking at the way we operate and do business and in some instances see things as uh, crazy. Why do we do it that way? Why don't we do this? It would be so much easier. But as you can well imagine, that curiosity and that outspoken liveliness and let's just get in and give it a go um, can be very challenging for uh, uh, someone who's been set in their ways doing it the same way for a very long time. And they can see that as challenging rather than curious, which instantly then again creates conflict. Oh, wow. I'm just relating this straight to an organisation that I'm part of. I'm just This is making so much sense to me, actually. Mm. <laughs> right. I think something that's been apparent to me relatively recently is I was born the same year the World Wide Web came online, right? So you know, there's, there's an entire generation now who are my age and younger who've not known a world without the internet. Mm. And, you know, as soon as you're moving into a bit older than that, potentially up to baby boomers, who grew up in a time where the best information available was often other people, the people around them that they could speak to, you know, within walking distance. Yes. And now we've moved into a time where you've got people like myself, um, sorry, people of my generation moving into organisations who have instant access to all the information in the world, and that's so second nature to us now. Uh, So I can imagine if that's not something that is inherent to older generations, then that can be seen as quite challenging or potentially undermining if you've got people going elsewhere for information. Yes, and most definitely. And I think the older generations have grown up in very much an era of knowledge is power. And um, if you were the holder of all the knowledge, well, you were the the most highly regarded in the room. And um, that that was a sense of purpose. That was a sense of stature, if you like. Whereas exactly yeah. what you're saying, you know, it's, hey, Siri, tell me this. Hey, Siri, tell me that. We found within a second for people, yeah. um, which is great. The opportunities of that is that the problem solving and the decision making can happen so much. I can't get the answer. <laughs> Siri's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it creates that speed of, of um, results and we can get to um, results quicker, but that threatens the whole um, especially a policing and a government organisation, historically yeah. has been very risk-averse, whereas our younger generations are, well, let's just give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? Let's try it. If it doesn't work, we fix it and we go again. But the value in that is awesome, really, really good if it's controlled. So it's about um, slowly bringing people on the journey, respecting the past and the history and the knowledge that those people have but also having them opening up their mindset enough to go, okay, yep, it has worked that way for us for forever and a day, but is there a better way of doing it? Yeah. Um, and, and that's and that's challenging for some people. Um, for others, some of our baby boomers are the most innovative and creative mindset of people because yep. they've done it all one way and they're thinking, you know, maybe there is another way. Yeah. Whereas some of our younger generations are that fixated on um, the way that the only way they know that at times they close themselves off to, well, what would that old person know? Mm. So the respect has to go both ways when it comes to communication and, and both levels of the spectrum have an incredible amount to offer. The key obviously is just providing a safe environment, a safe space and permission for them all to speak freely. Well, I'm interested how um, that was received. I would kind of on the face of it assume that it would, you know, that project that you did be received much better by the younger generation and a little bit more pushback from the senior. But what you've just said is that sometimes it's your younger ones who are could be as closed-minded 
as anything. So was there more pushback from one or the other end or? Um, look, I would probably say there was slightly more pushback from the higher end, so the higher ranks of the organisation, yeah. for no real purpose other than um, it was a very different, it was a flipping a model of leadership for us. So we had mm. been do as you're told for so long, yes or no, so three bags full uh, was yep. how it was done. That was just the way it was and that was working for us. So to go to some of these um people in those middle ranks or higher ranks who were very regimented and very, um, um, I guess, connected to rank and the power that that created to all of a sudden say, your young constables are now going to be able to speak freely outside of that chain of command. That was um, quite threatening for some people. Right. Uh, What we were able to do there um, very respectfully was to point out to them that the rank of the chain of command structure was in fact in some occasions stifling innovation because um, for an, in our organisation a, a general decision maker sits at that senior sergeant or the inspector level. Now that's five ranks up. So for an idea coming from a young constable to get to a decision maker, it has to go through five other people. And as you know, ideas are fragile and quite often they were getting chopped off at the knees, not even considered. Um, there might not have been time or F, um, you know, discretionary effort put in to escalate that any higher up. So there were some really valuable pieces of information that was being lost simply because of that structure, that 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 very vertical, um, rigid structure. Or the flip side of that was if it was making its way up, by the time it went all the way up and then all the way back down, that could have been three to six months. And therefore, yep. the rate of change, that yeah. idea may not no longer have been valid or relevant. Yeah. So there was a lot of pushback initially from that middle level. But with yep. discussion and with robust discussion, calling the elephant in the room and listening to their concerns and um, and we, we pitched it as a project, a pilot, sorry. So we asked for a nine-month pilot period to say, we've got nothing to lose. Let's give this a go. If it doesn't work in nine months, we've tried it, we can tweak it and we'll go again. And that was well received um, and rolled out. Now, with the younger ones, um, what I would say we found was the not so much the pushback but the hesitation was um, a lack of trust, uh, a lack of trust in the fact that if I give you my energy and time to submit an idea or to have a conversation, how do I know it's going to be delivered or acted upon? Because uh, there was a perception there that things had never been delivered on before um, there were so many other competing yep. priorities and competing demands. So that first nine-month period, that pilot, was really about building trust, was connecting the two, having them um, realise that there's value in talking on this platform, um, in communicating. Um, there was value in a young uh, junior officer hearing the external uh, stimuli and problems that uh, is experienced by a senior officer when they're dealing with budgets and parliamentary issues and um, community issues, whereas a young uh, officer on the road is generally, here's your job, go to your job, deal with the job, here's your next job. So it was a really a really valuable learning experience to say, I know your job on the road is hard, but this is the competing priorities I'm dealing with, and then vice versa. Those who hadn't been on the road for a very long time because of their rank now were able to connect and hear the pain points and the problems that made day-to-day policing now hard for our younger members of the organisation. So it really came about for empathy. It was really tested the emotional intelligence of a lot of our people. Yeah. Uh, where it was, no, no, just listen, 
let this person have a say. You might not like the idea. Let them have a say. Let other people value add to that idea or critique that idea in a very respectful way. And let's take a good idea with all of this valuable collaboration on board and bring out a great idea at the other end because that way everybody feels the benefit of that. I'm interested in the in the pure communication that had to happen in this process. So what needed to happen to be able to connect those those various groups together, the senior and the junior people? How did that communication happen? Yes. Okay. So that's a, a really good point there. So what we did, we had a team of moderators. So there was three of us that were responsible for moderating every idea or every suggestion that came onto the system. So essentially anyone could put an idea forward And then our job was to really control in the very early days the purpose of that platform. And it was an innovation, an idea management platform designed to make policing simpler, better and safer. So it needed to be a positive vibe. We didn't want it to be a whinge vibe. So we would, every comment that would go on, we would value add to that. We would point it in the correct direction to the responsible person who might be able to um, be a part of that conversation. Meanwhile, off the system, we were working very hard to build relationships with um, the business owners who needed to be the ones talking. Because what we found, once the ideas started to come in, the data themed itself. And there was five real key areas of either problem, challenge or opportunity. So we had to then go and do face-to-face communication with the business owners or the managers of those bodies of work to say, you know what, your products aren't exactly meeting the needs of your frontline officers. Um, It's not working here, here and here. And there was pushback because it's like, well, you're just creating more work for us. And it's like, no, we're not creating more work. We're just getting that work to you quicker and giving you direct access to have real-time conversations with your people who are using your products or the end service that you're providing. And once they got their head around that, that they could um, actually ask a question to the frontline officers, why is this not working? What can we do to make it different? And if you think how we would ordinarily have done that, we would have sent out a survey, probably the eighth survey of the year, asked 100 questions, got one-way responses back and took time to decipher all of that and hopefully made some changes. Now what they were getting was real-time communication to say here's a new product we've just rolled it out can you give us feedback and it was very fluid it was very action very quickly but that took a lot of time there was a lot of massaging that had to take place there there was a lot of um, poking of the bear so to speak we would see an idea come up that might relate to our particular area traffic area or our legislation area and initially we would ring that area and say hey Kate how are you going there's a new idea on the system this morning we think it relates to your area can you have a look at that and respond to the person for us so we needed the conversations to be happening from end user to the actual owner we didn't want it to become the world according to kelly from the innovation unit Um, i wasn't the expert in legislation or traffic or all of those areas we needed to bring the right people to the discussions it's um it's something we talk about which is when you're pulling ideas apart that it's actually not a personal attack it's Ideas are always worthy of discussion and being added to, subtracted to and pulled apart. And that should never be yeah. seen as a personal attack provided the right language is used. That's right. Yeah. So to go to go back, something that you said, you were you were doing training for a few years um, before you moved yes. into this role. Was there anything you took from uh, what you learned as a trainer and a facilitator and communicating in that realm into what it was that you, you, you did for the last few years? 
Yeah, I think the big thing for me that I take from any role I do is give people the why. If you're asking someone to do something, why are you asking them to do something? If you want people to contribute, what's in it for them? Why should they contribute? So I used to do that in the training um, when they were learning a new legislation. I would simplify it down and give them the example that, you know, if they go in and do it this way and get this result, that will reduce the repeat calls for service to that location. Or if they contribute in this system by way of adding a comment, um, adding a vote, or just generally supporting people on the system, the greater value of that is for the whole organisation. We had to get people away from the idea about, well, this is all about me. It's all about Kelly. I'm going to be so well known for this. We had to get them to take that mindset off and to say, I'm contributing to a larger group of people. I have an idea that I think in the role I do, it would work. And a lot of our people didn't realise that. And here's a little simple example. A young constable would go out to a job and it might have been a drug-related job and they would give someone a drug diversion. So that constable deals with that on the roadside. There's then a property officer involved who takes the exhibit, the drug, and, and handles that appropriately. There's then an officer in charge who has to review that work that's been done and send it to the appropriate crime manager. So in any given job, there's normally about five different people at a minimum who have a touch point in how that process works. So if we change the process just for one of those people, inevitably we would get it wrong for somebody else in that process. So this system allowed all five of those people to talk together to say, yep, I get what you mean if we change A and B, but for me as the crime manager, what that means is X, Y, and Z. So by having those conversations with the right people, in the room, um, we were able to get the right result the first time and fix the problem, not fix the symptom, fix the actual cause of the problem. Yeah, right. I think you, you started there with something that, that reminded me that if, if you're talking about something, if it's important to you, then you can make it important to your audience. Um, mm. what, are the, what were the different overarching communication styles you saw that I guess you had to consider? Did you find mm-hmm. um, any sort of issue or... Um, different communication styles between the junior and senior people, um, all those generations at all? Um, not really. I think the reason for that is regardless of the generation, generally you'll find that every generation has the same core values that trickle through. Yeah, right. And that's all about, you know, trust, you know, integrity, fairness, inclusion. Most people, regardless of what culture they are, what generation they are, they all are core values that tap into most people along that line. So there wasn't a big variance. The The way in which people chose to interact did change. Um, very early on, we had a lot of uh, voyeurs. We would have people who would just go log in and just read what was being said. They Whether they didn't have the courage or they just didn't feel the need to value add in any way. So initially we would see that. We then saw a climb in votes. So it was simple for someone to go, oh, yeah, I'll click the button once, I agree with that, or downvote, I don't agree with that. And then as time went on, you would see more and more people become more courageous because it was a full transparent system. If you typed on there, your name came up um, and they, you'd see more comments starting to come on. What was really interesting, though, is if we would see we had one particular assistant commissioner who was excellent, high levels of emotional intelligence, cares about the people, and he would quite regularly jump on and comment. It might have just been a value-add comment or this is a really great discussion, good to see that you're all having this conversation, I'm interested to read more, keep it going. 
those little snippets from such a high level, they would instantly increase the engagement. Um, and it was that was part of the building of the trust. That was saying to our younger people, your voice matters. We want to hear about it. You've got something to offer. I Keep like talking. That. So it was really good. It was quite, now that I've sort of been away from it a bit and looking back and, you know, you reflect on your time and what we did achieve. Yep. We actually subliminally increase the emotional intelligence of our organisation without deliberately trying to, and that really was through osmosis. Um, so when we saturated the system with those people with high IQ, which generally people who had high IQ were very early adopters, um, you would see others would then tend to follow suit and, and um, converse with similar language or um, follow that idea or support that idea. Um, so it was a really valuable, almost a scientific learning there mm. that actually have a positive influential effect when you've got the right vibe and the right people in that space. And, and it's much like a meeting face-to-face. You know, if you've got people in that meeting room who are very high energy, high positive and good EQ, taking note of everybody else's feelings and that, it's a great meeting. Yeah. But if you've got that negative vibe, that that down um, environment, well, that can change the whole room. Um, but that being said, it was important for us to have, um, and like anything, it's important to have your black hats or your your negative nellies or your you know your glass yeah. half empty yeah. because that's, that's diversity, that's robust conversation, and that's really important. Yeah, yeah right. Um, rather than exclude those people, they were just as important as the other people, but you connect them perfectly together where they value each other's input and respect each other's um, position on things. Yeah, right. So we're talking about all those different groups of people um, that are trying to communicate with each other. You've got your early adopters, you've got your different generations, all these different types of people. What were some of the considerations that needed to be made by each of these groups when speaking to each other? Um, I think what was really different and what was actually quite successful for us is we tried to keep it very conversational. Um, so we didn't we didn't require rank or anything corporate in the system. It was designed to be a conversational collaboration space where essentially we wanted to strip back the rank, we wanted to strip back the power mm-hmm. and say, you, 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 all around the state, doesn't matter who you are, where you are, come on in and have, be a part of this conversation. And I think that worked in our favour. Um, previous things that we've tried to do in the past were quite often kept very very official and very corporate, which instantly labels people into their levels. Mm. So we kept it neutral and, and that worked quite well. Yeah, right. I like that. I remember remember years ago I was in a uh, conflict resolution class somewhere and the question came up about how you go about conflict resolution when you have an imbalance of authority or power. And I remember distinctly that the presenter said that's basically the only time you get conflict that needs to go to a resolution because you've got somebody with more authority who maybe isn't listening quite right or won't bend or or what have you. So it's interesting that you say that um, removing the rank Mm. and the authority and just letting people communicate with people um, worked in your favour. Yeah, it's human-to-human connection at the end of the day and regardless of who you are or how important you are, everyone goes into any conversation as a person first. So I go in as Kelly, not as Senior Sergeant Kelly or 
you know, the Prime Minister goes in as Scott Morrison, not the Prime Minister. It, it doesn't matter who you are. Once we take away that, um, you know, that false set of armour that gives us a perceived um, level of importance and just go in on that basic one-on-one human-to-human connection, lead with your heart, dare to care, you get so much better result because that's when you're going to appreciate people as whole people and realise that, you know, people have good days, people have bad days. But at the core of it all, we've all got stuff going on. Let's just work in harmony. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, cool. All right. So one thing that we ask all of our guests is, is there a book or a reference or something that has influenced the way that you communicate? I'd probably talk. There's a book that I was referred to by a friend, which was, um, it's called Listen Like a Dog. (laughs) It's all about listening to understand rather than listening to reply. Yep. Um, and I, I found I really connected with it because that was a weakness of mine where I had a tendency to, uh, and I think it's inherently as, as a police officer, you've been a problem solver your whole life and you're very quick to hear something and go and fix it. You want to fix it quickly. Yep. Yeah. So to listen wholeheartedly with every piece of you, not just your ears, but your eyes, your body language, your everything, to take in exactly what someone is saying um for me that was a a real um turning point in my communication space and when you actually stop and listen to someone or watch someone else you know who's a really really good listener and you'll notice that they're listening with their whole body and the whole dog analogy if you've got a dog and you talk to your dog they'll turn their head and they'll look at you and they'll give you all (laughs) funny things but they don't interrupt you know there's very rarely (laughs) It talks about leash violations. If there's another dog around that they see a butt that they can sniff, perhaps, but otherwise, <laughs> giving you undivided attention the whole way. Yeah, and that that's been a really good, um, valuable learning point for me. And this system created that. Sometimes it was very easy to see something that someone would write, and if you weren't listening or you weren't walking in their shoes, you could get very hot under the collar and fire something straight mm. back. Um, so it was really important for people just to sit to listen, to read, to absorb and think for a minute. That's a really interesting perception that that person's put on there. Why are they thinking of it with that lens? So, yeah, that would be my my one. Excellent. Oh, I like that. Something totally different. Hmm. And lastly, Kelly, where can people find you now? Um, so at the moment I'm on a um, career break from police, as I said. So I am uh, have a consulting agency, Kel McCall of Connections. Um, so I have a website, www.kelmcauliffe.com. And for me, that's all about people. It's leading with your heart. It's connecting. It's basically saying that anyone, anywhere can connect with others. Um, There's just a few little key principles that we put in place to make sure that that happens most effectively. Beautiful. Excellent. And we've put links to all of that in the show notes below. So thank you very much for spending a bit of time with us, Kelly, and sharing your insights from your experience. My pleasure. And it's all about sharing with others because there's so many organisations in this same situation um, and there's value to be gained by connecting. Yes, I've learned a lot and I've had quite a few realisations, I think, in this conversation. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much, Kelly. Thank you. See you later. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. If you have a recommendation for someone you'd love to hear from in this show or think you have something of value you'd like to share, send us an email at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts and take suggestions for future episodes. 
Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Have a great week.